This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the A Real Man Wood podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host, and I am joined by my co-host, Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. What's going on, dude? You uh, ready for opening day tomorrow? Yeah, finally, I have one more draft tonight. Uh, right after we finish this podcast, probably um, it's going to give me ten leagues, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally ready for the season to start. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm ready. I, you know, I only have six leagues that I count as like my leagues, and I have the League of Leagues would be seven. Then I have the score sheet league that Jeff runs. You basically run the League of Leagues. Then I've got the Staff Keeper League, which drafts like on Sunday, and that and Schuler runs that. So, of leagues that I do the work, I only have six. And I say only, it's still a lot of work on Sunday nights, but uh, I'm glad I limited it to, to that. Yeah, six is, uh, is is much better than 10, but it just was the nature of the beast this year. And it's actually part of my doing. I did a few more NFBCs than I have in the past, and I started earlier, which I think benefited me uh, in general. So uh, I'm pumped, but I will say this, uh, the, the all the money ones, $1,500 entry, $500 tonight, a couple other, the Rotowire, like 350 ones, I'm always getting top three picks. Um, and I put my money where, where my mouth is for what it's worth. The fifteen hundred dollar Rotowire one. I had number two pick, and I took Kershaw. Um, real man does that. Him, That's what a real man would I do. Him, I took him in the league that we're in together. Um, and then tonight it's a it's five hundred dollars, and it's a, it's a satellite league, and I have the third pick. So my point is, I'm going to end up with a lot of Kershaw, which is scary in a way, obviously. So I'm, I mean, you don't just mix it up, do you? If you're if they're really important leagues with money, right? You can't do that. Now, and, and also, you know, the thing about consolidating with the same guy in every league is obviously it's a huge risk. One year I did that with Stanton, Harper, and Strasburg in every league like five years ago. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I mean, if it goes bad, it goes bad, you know, whatever. And it was really depressing. It was a really sad, horrible baseball season. And it wasn't enjoyable at all. And I, I regretted it. I still think you go all in with the players that you want. You don't, you don't, you know, bend over backwards to do it. If you have players ranked higher than them, you take them. But if they're truly your highest ranked players... You have to uh, act on your convictions. Yeah, it's just really weird that I just so happen in four or five of the most important leagues, get a top three pick. It's just well, random luck of the draw. So, right. Well, so it's be- bad luck because you probably would have taken him at six in a lot of those same leagues. So Especially earlier on, right? Yeah, but exactly. It, it doesn't really matter because on the way back, getting three picks earlier doesn't really make that much of a difference. And then you get an early third pick. So, you know, I, I think it's still good. good. Speaking of consolidating, it's really funny. The league that we're in together that we did Saturday, my first three round three rounds are exactly the same as my fifteen hundred dollar league I did a day later. Exactly the same. Yahoo friends and family, same as No, is... no. The the beat Chris List League on NFBC. Oh, right, right. Who did you get in that I, league? You got Kershaw? So, okay. First Kershaw, Strasburg, and Aaron Judge from the three hole. Then the next night, fifteen hundred dollars from the two hole, same exact three. That's funny. Well, I mean, you know, if you're if you're reaching every pick, you can of course get your same guys every league. <laughs> right. I mean, judge in the third. I'm not even a judge guy, but the guy scored like 129 so, rounds last year. So, I mean, that third round. I mean, 15 teams. You're talking about the 1500 one that you did. Um, no, they're 12. So, it's so 12. in the main event, 15 teams. I took. Uh, yeah, it's not first... main event. It's a big. It's a big rotowire online championship. I think it's it's 12. But yeah, okay, 15. Okay. That's definitely so, different. So, you saw so, that. In the... There. I was in the main event and I was picking sixth and I thought I'd get Kershaw Stanton. I didn't. I got Turner. Round two, I got Bumgarner, sadly, which I'm going to weather it because I think my team is so good. I have to just fight through it because plus Paul Spoer is just talking shit and uh, I got to shut his ass up. So I got Bumgarner in the second. And then the third round, you know, Judge made it all the way back to 3 5. And, oh, and I wow. took Carrasco. I mean, I was really happy to get Carrasco. Now that Bumgarner's hurt, I'm especially glad that I have Carrasco in round three. But I was like, shit, like, Carrasco is the last pitcher in that tier that I wanted, and in the main event, you need the pitching. But if Judge went to 3-6 in a 15-team, I I almost felt like I had to take him. So I was was glad, I was almost glad that the guy took Judge so I could just take the, you know, the pick that I wanted, no problem. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, But man, Bumgarner, that was, uh, I was out golfing last uh, Friday, I believe it was, and I get off the course and I get all these texts 
Bumgarner goes down um, later that night, same exact day. Curry sprains his MCL, I think, just a terrible hit for the for the Bay Area. But man, my Giants, what a joke. Good thing Jimmy G exists because what a nightmare. I mean, Melanson, Samarja, uh, uh, obviously Bumgarner is the biggest blow. I mean, the season's over before it starts, basically, because because they were already, you know, they needed everything to go right. perfectly right. to make the playoffs. It's not like they had any margin of error, let right. alone losing Bumgarner. So right. it, it, it's a problem. They were like a wild card, nutless monkey type of team. You know, they were barely going to make it. And, and now, yeah, they're toast. It actually it might, help, it might help. It might help my Phillies bet, though. I mean, that's why I'm rooting for the most. I mean, 25 G's. I, I just want the Phillies to make the playoffs. Uh, Cardi's came out checking out the bat. They're not too too hot, too big on the Phillies, which is uh, not super excited about. Man, but that second wild card spot is just so open. I mean, even if you consider the Cardinals, you know, you got the Diamondbacks, the Giants. I mean, I, I think it's still open for the Phillies. Yeah, I mean, I think the Giants are not going to even be close. And yeah, I'm a little worried about Bumgarner because, yeah, sure, he's out till June. But, like, if they're, like, you know, 10 games under 500, then are they really – are they going to – they're just going to be, like, take your time. You know, they're not going to rush him. Now, maybe if they're, like – the flip side, if they're, you know, only a few games under, maybe they're – you know, maybe they need him and think they can make a run. I mean, they, they signed Longoria and, and Andrew McCutcheon, so – Well, he's, he's a different beast, too. Even last year, coming back from a, a literal shoulder injury of his throwing arm, he's like, oh, if I'm healthy enough to pitch, I'm pitching. Like, he's, you know, he's just a, a country bumpkin who cares more about that than, like, worrying about the future. I mean, this guy – threw on, you know, zero days rest, five innings in the World Series. Like, you know, he cares, he's just one of those guys. So I think if he's physically fit, he's going to just like de- – Bochy even laughed, like, uh, if you know him or even like their beat writers are like, don't even ask him that question. Like, he'll right. get a hard response because he's right. he's going to play if he can. But the dude he took two- it, what, the 11th round in the league we're in? 10th round in the league we're in, uh, okay. and I was happy to do that. I was, like, targeting that. My worry is the second-round main event one, right? Because, like, that's the 10th round, well, whatever. I'll live with whatever I get. And, you know, that, that was a calculated risk, and, that, you know, that wasn't – that was after the injury, obviously. I was, I was thought, just curious where you value him now is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was good value in the 12. Uh, I also sure. think the 12, you can take him a little earlier because it's easier to find pitching in the meantime, whereas in the 15, it's, like, really, really thin. And that so makes sense. And so me losing him, like – it's almost like I don't even know what I'm going to do to replace that. It, it's funny because I took Daniel Murphy in the 12th and Justin Turner in the 15th in that league too. So I have three guys on the DL and then All Brantley's on the DL, which I may have to drop him. I'm not going to hold on to you know if I need this in, in a league without DL slots. Right. You know, I'm hoping that if if we just had Stefania on the radio today and she said she thought Murphy like you know late April and Justin right. Turner you know sometime in early May. So. If I get both those guys back and just kind of cobble it together without getting too many other injuries, again, Brantley's not a serious one. I could just drop him if I have to. And then that, that's you know, really got to be frustrating, though, flying all the way out there to be in person, spend that money. Uh, I don't, you probably got a free roll. Of it's course, free, too. but I mean, or, you know, yeah. we're, it's free. Spend but it's your not free. On guy. I mean, yeah. it's fresh, and it's not like he came down with an arm ailment. It's like, oh, that's what you get when you're a pitcher. I mean, I guess there are in harm's way with liners coming back at you, but that's just bad luck, man. Yeah, it was bad luck. I mean, look, I, it was such a fun event. I was talking a lot of shit. You know, I mean, they're there for Tout also. We went to Yankee Stadium. I drafted such a great Tout team. I'm, I'm very bullish on that, and we'll see what actually happens with it. But, you know, the weekend was great. I, I'm not going to, you know, I, I want to, you know, it's easy to get pissed and frustrated, and before you even start, you get this bullshit injury. I mean, Sale had the same thing, and, of course, nothing happened to him. So, you know, it was just bad luck that it hit him right on the pinky knuckle. If he hits him anywhere else, if it hits him in the hip or the chest, he's probably fine. You know, whatever. It is what it is. And, and I was saying, like, look, so he's out two months. It sucks. It's going to be hard to replace. But it's not even going to be in the top three, probably not even the top five worst injuries this year. You know, someone's going to lose a first-round pick for the whole year in the next month, probably. Somebody's going to lose a fourth-round pick for the whole year, not two months. Somebody's right. going to lose a first-round pick for two months that's going to be more valuable than Bungar. I mean, it's all going to happen. It happens every single year. And, you know, you think baseball is like, oh, it's pretty mellow. It's just, you know, running down fly balls and, you know, throwing people out. But it's there's crazy injuries. I mean, look at look at basketball. Look at Jamarcus Cousins out for the year. You know, Kawhi Leonard really never even had a season. I mean, you can lose your key guys so easily in any of these sports. Obviously, football's a joke. I mean, football's like Odell Beckham, David Johnson, Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't matter who you draft in football. Those guys are out half the fucking time. It's just extra frustrating because you want to get off to a good start. You know, it's just like natural yeah. human instincts. Like, you know, you're, you're more motivated to hit that fab right, right. Uh, period early on. You're just so discouraged early on. Uh, but you do bring up a good point when you first said, like, not one of the five. I'm like, well, you're expecting a lot of early injuries. But you, what you mean is some guys drafted behind him are going to miss the whole season. So right. you know, hopefully he only misses two. So that's a good point. It's not going to be one of the five worst. It'll probably be like the sixth worst injury or the seventh. You know, I won Towers one year in AL only where I lost Miguel Cabrera and George Springer. It's AL only for two months each. 
And that's I wanted, absurd, there's no replacement value. Well, because I got Correa for nothing. That was just lucky, and he played four months and basically was them for those four months. It was, his life. it was like I had no injuries whatsoever, basically. It was the equivalent. I mean, it sucks. It's horrible. I can feel bad for myself and get down about it, but I'll, I'll put it this way. I was first overall about two months in, maybe a month and a half in last year in the overall, and right. I finished like seventh or eighth or ninth in my league. So... Right. Good start, bad start. I, I really like my team. I'm just really pleased with the players I got. I know I, you know, everyone thinks like I'm an egomaniac and I just love every team I have. But I really like, I really like what I got. Like Jeff got Jose Peraza in the 13th round in his main. I got him in the 18th. I mean, there's just so many picks like that. Jeff got Carrasco in the second. I got him in the third. There's just so many players like that that I got later than other people. I got guys like Aaron Hicks pretty late. I just really like the team. And I just need, you know, I need to get a little lucky with like Michael Walker or Aaron Sanchez, one of my other pitchers, to pitch like Bumgarner for two months before Bumgarner comes back. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready for uh, baseball. Oh, the only thing I wanted to bring up is uh, also uh, sorry about the email the other uh, day. Oh, I, you're I, tell, such tell a people, tell people. It's, it's kind of so, funny. Come on. Go, okay. So, so, like, okay. Okay. Story. So I, 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 I don't know anything about college hoops. I, I don't pay any attention. I don't really care. But you sent out an email, and it was like, hey, my college hoops bracket. I don't even know how much money it's for. I don't even know if that was in the email. I think you were hiding that fact. But I'm like, oh, fuck it. So I clicked through the link, fill out a bracket in literally like 40 seconds. And so I fill out my bracket, and then I'm in New York, you know, watching the first rounds. I'm, I'm at Foley's, like, at that night that everyone goes out at, uh, before Tout Wars. And I decided to walk home, like, three miles. So I, I'm only seeing the beginning of the Virginia game. By the time I get home, Heather's uncle... Her aunt's husband is, is awake. It's like, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night in New York. And as I walk in, he's like, oh, this is the biggest upset of all time. I'm like, really? There's a 16 beating one? He's like, yeah. And, and so we, I watched like the last minute or two of the Virginia game. And I'm like, oh, shit, finally happened. Like, you know, we're talking about it. I'm like, oh, I think that's good. I don't think I have Virginia anywhere. So then I check my bracket and I have him in the finals. And I'm like, all right, well, that's fucking over. So then I just forget about it. I don't really think, I don't even know who I have. I'm like, okay, well, that's over. Fine. And then I email you or I, maybe on this podcast. I said, how much is that anyway, by the way? You're like, yeah, it's 50 bucks. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. So I have to pay pay you the 50 bucks. So I'm, I'm never seeing it again. Then I did actually check it just for the hell of it because I, I thought, I don't know what, you know, there's a lot of upsets. It's like, not a huge pool, you know, 18 but, people. The whole left side's a mess. Like, right. everyone's left side of the bracket. So, but no, but I had him in the final, so that's worse. You know, I mean, not only had him in the final four, I had him go into the actual final. So I look, and I'm in first place, right? And then you email me, but I didn't really look into it because I assume someone has, like, higher upside who has, like, some, you know, right. both teams in the finals available. And you're like, dude, if Villanova just wins its next game, you win the 800 bucks. I'm like, sweet. That's awesome. Like, it's such a great thing. Like, Satya just broke this fucking lamp. She kicked it over in a tantrum, and that's 150 bucks, and we got to pay money for this other shit. I'm like, oh, 800 bucks. That would come in really handy right now. And then uh, Duke loses, and I'm like, I had Duke in the Final Four, but I guess it doesn't matter, right? If Villanova wins, I, I win the, the whole thing. And you're like, oh, actually, no, Payne is two points ahead of you, so you can't win anymore. Right, and I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, why did you even you? Why did you even inform me of that? It's just so, I looked like, at your possible points. Duke was up like eight points at the time; they were favored. I, I didn't. I didn't look at every scenario. My bad. Uh, you are it such an asshole. Bad. You no. should pay me eight hundred just for saying that. A real Wrong. man would just pay the eight hundred just for that. And then I felt like I had pain on the radio today, and I'd hear his ass gloating about it too. So that was annoying. I heard that. I heard that. Keep checking. Keep refreshing your email. See if I PayPal you the, the money. Okay. Well, no, well, the eight hundred. Yeah, right. I'll yeah. keep. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll just get my money back. If Villanova wins, I still get the fifty back. Yes, yeah, so you do get that back. Right, right, right. It's all key about, especially in these small, less than you know, eighteen people. Picking the winner is is what's key. But Real yes. man refuses his money back. Real man doesn't doesn't even want his money oh, back. Okay, so. I'll take it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, no, yeah no, have no. you watched any of the tournament at all? No, nah, I haven't watched that shit. Okay. So what I else? Is, I don't care uh, about that. I'm the kind of person that like, if people are interested in something that I don't care about, that annoys me. Like people are tweeting about the tournament. They're tweeting about NFL shit that I don't care about that much right now. And it's just annoying. I'm like, these guys are so fucking annoying. Like, why are they interested in that? That shit's such boring bullshit. You know, you're not super interested in the new targeting rules is what you're saying. No, I, I didn't even, I, I talked to Jeff about that. He tried to bring that up. I was like, dude, I don't even want to look at that. I mean, it's one of the annoying parts of the NFL, the endless fucking replays and the annoying cheap ass shit that happens. It's obviously not a merit based thing that costs the game. The whole league is a fucking joke and you get so frustrated and it ruins your fantasy league. It costs you money. It hurts the team that you're rooting for. It hurts the team that you bet on. And now in fucking March, I'm supposed to be worrying about that shit. I'm not even going to think about that. I'm not even going yeah, to waste there, a fucking ounce of my time on that. There are other football things to talk to you about, like the Giants trading JPP and possibly Beckham. I mean, those are my two favorite players, probably my two favorite of all time after Lawrence <laughs> oh, Taylor. Right. And, you know, I liked Strahan for a while when he was there. But 
Um, Where's Kerry Collins rank? You know, he's in like the top 100, I think. But uh, the the thing is, uh, just don't get him drunk. You know, the dude is not a responsible, uh, he's not responsible with his language when he's drunk. You know, I, I just, I don't know if I, I probably said this many times already, but I, I think John Mara is a nutless monkey. I really do. I think his dad, you know, was one of the founder, you know, one of the builders of the NFL, Wellington Mara, one of the legendary guys. It was so funny. I was like, when he died five years ago, blah, blah, blah. Some dude tweeted me. He was like, you know, he died in 2005. <laughs> it wasn't five years ago. But anyway, Mar- John Mara is a nutless monkey. We've gone over this on this pod. And the fact that he would even trade Beckham, I mean, look at Beckham, right? It, you know, Beckham to me is. He's a really hardworking guy. None of his teammates have ever disparaged him, the guys who he plays with. He's basically salvaged Eli's rotting carcass. I mean, Eli would be out of the league right now if Beckham hadn't been drafted by them. Have you seen the numbers with and without? Oh, like- I, I've done them. I've, I've, I wrote an article on it last year. It's obvious. Eli, Eli should be out of the league anyway. But, I mean, Beckham has kind of made him even salvageable the last few years. And- yeah, without Beckham on the field, he's like essentially the worst quarterback in the league the last two years, right? I mean, of course. He's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I watched every game. You know, you look at Beckham. I mean, he's not—he's not beating his girlfriend. You have to understand, like, the things that he gets dinged for. Oh, he threw over a kicking net or something like that. He hit his head on the kicking net when it bounced back. He got into it with Josh Norman, who's a total troll and big deal. You know, oh, he's partying like in his own time with some Italian woman. She's got cocaine in the picture. I—I I mean, again, I just totally don't care. He's not like beating up women. He's not like driving his car wasted and wrapping it around a tree, risking other people's lives. He's not doing anything that's harming anybody else. And he works hard. He's liked by his teammates. And he's a generational talent. He's one of the all-time talented receivers in the history of the NFL. And all he's done is light up the entire league every time he's touched the field. Ridiculous. With a shitty quarterback in a cold-weather climate. with Cold-weather, I was going to say. Yeah, bad wind, yeah. You know, no yeah. dome. No, you know, he doesn't play in San Diego. No, and, no good second wide receiver help right. ever. Like he's always getting a ton of attention. Um, right. The most predictable, arguably the most predictable play calling in the NFL. Horrible too. coaching, exactly. And he has produced at such a high level. I mean, what? How old is he? Twenty five. Yeah, twenty five. I mean, I mean it, yeah, it's it's know. it's just such a joke that that you know the you know the media is so pathetic, and the fact that some of the fans are just like such a bunch of idiots to be like, oh, he's a diva. He's in this. To, to get rid of Beckham, it would be like when the Vikings got rid of Randy Moss, you know, and then he goes on the Patriots and scores 23 touchdowns. This is one of the greatest receivers of all time. And yeah, no, I want the 49ers to trade for him so of bad. Course, and of I course, sick I, would my pro- stomach. I would probably root for I hate the 49ers and I would probably fucking root for them. I would stop rooting for the Giants if they trade Beckham. If they okay. traded him for like Aaron Donald and a first round pick, okay, I could, I could live with that. But like, I mean, Aaron Donald is like one of the top five players, top five non Yeah, I know. I'm terrified if the Rams get him after getting Sue also and Peters right. and right. Uh, uh, Talib. I mean, oh, man. Yeah, don't, no. yeah, they can the, be the Rams, are, I mean, the, the uh, NFC West is going to be the, the Cardinals are going to get crushed. <laughs> There's three yeah. good teams. The early, there. Odds, the early odds I saw was like uh, the Rams are just barely favored over the Niners to win that division, which I was surprised because the Rams are loaded. I mean, I'm a homer. Don't get me wrong, but the Rams, the Rams are loaded. But yeah, those two, those two top teams with Seattle in total rebuild mode too. And like if Bradford goes down, those other two teams could be in trouble. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Yeah, well, also, there's probably three of the top seven coaches in the NFL in that, le- in that division, too. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, no, so, yeah, no I, I know you'd be so frustrated every time I see these reports. They bet, I guess they're asking for at least two first-rounders. They better ask for a, a, a total ransom in return. But, that but, would just be- but, I mean, two first-rounders. I know. No, the odds that a first-rounder pans out to the extent Beckham has is like almost zero. Yeah. You know, yeah. so okay. what's two, two of them something? But, like, I think you need, like, Aaron Donald, someone like that who's, like, a game-changing non-quarterback player, like, you know, in the Beckham level of impact and a pick. To me, that would be like, okay – it's boring as shit. I mean, I don't want to. I mean, Aaron Donald's great and all, but I'd rather root for Beckham. But yeah, it's it's just. I have a friend. 
I have a friend who thinks that uh, teams should uh, implement a strategy of, of drafting seven straight quarterbacks in the draft if they don't have one. What do you think of that? And he's dead serious. Just because, like, you figure you'll get one. I just think it would be really hard to find out it's hard, which one. Right. It's I, really I hard the, to find out. It, right. it That's be, an argument. Right. I, I, would do it, I would do it if, like, you had some way of, like, picking the best of the seven, obviously. But, you know, you might, like, have Nick Foles and Jared Goff and – Right. And you know, and end up choosing you know the Sam Bradford of the bunch, and let those other guys go, and then they go to a good system, and they light it up. So that's that's the risk. Is it, that would be the argument? It's it's so difficult. Uh, even if you are, if that is a good strategy, it's, it would be so it'd be tougher to evaluate. And you do need you do need you do need like offensive tackles and wide. I mean, you do need other other positions. Right. It's right. a bad strategy. Right. Okay. All right. I'll I'll let him know. <laughs> it's uh, <stupid>. So <laughs> he's an idiot. Your friend. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely let him know. Yeah. So uh, what what else? Any, anything else going on? Uh, you got you got well, some bold predictions. I mean, I, I saw you did that. You got yeah. your portfolio. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Your horrible uh, your horrible teams uh, that you mostly drafted. I, I do. I must say, I do appreciate uh, you, you, poor poor Jeff. You're browbeating his uh, main event team. Uh, oh, it's Mercer. terrible though. It's terrible. It's like he took McCutcheon in the sixth round, and it's fucking terrible. Jose Barrios in the seventh. Oh my god. I like him. I like him actually, Barrios. But yeah, in the seventh <laughs> round. Holy That's shit, high, dude. Yeah. Oh, fucking reach yeah. central, man. Holy fuck. What was he thinking? I just think he just went fucking total panic mode. I don't know what happened to him. That draft is horrible. I mean, I you know I could be wrong. Maybe it's a great team. Who the fuck knows? But it looks right. like garbage to me. That was desperation. Uh, I'll talk about a couple things. One, uh, we can go over my you know bold predictions, which I said is the cheapest thing to do because you know you make a bold prediction doesn't come true. You're like, yeah, dude, it was a bold prediction. I mean, what do you expect? But if you get it right, you're like, yeah, I'm a genius. I called that shit. So I'm not. A I, I came out. I came out with one, and I led my picture with Stanton, and I said he had 65 homers, and I see you said the same exact thing. So hopefully, it's more of a great minds think alike thing than a. We're both idiots, but it's probably the latter. But uh, I said the same thing. Also, nutless monkey group think. Right. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Let's hear him. Let's well, hear him. Well, first of all, but before we get to that, I want to talk quickly about my portfolio. So I had six teams okay. so far of mine. And what's really funny, maybe it's because I told you to get them or maybe not. I, the, I have one guy. So I have an AL only team. So I only have five teams in which National League players are eligible. I have one National League player on all five teams. And we actually also have him in League of Leagues. So literally in every single possible i mean if this guy goes nuts like i'm in right. you know it's across the board there's not a league where someone else has him right no i have him plenty of places too so i'm with you, you know I who that player is well you don't have yeah. him friends and family or the league we drafted against each other because i have i, I, I believe it's michael walker is my guess yes it is michael walker okay. right. and okay. uh i don't even you know i i like him i don't think he's like you know the greatest player everybody throws 95 he's a you know a big prospect and uh sure you know, he's on a good situation and just the right age and sort of experience level to break out. But who the hell knows? But, yeah, it's just crazy. I have Puig in four leagues out of five because, again, NL. He's an NL player. And I almost got him in the main event. This is the only one I don't have him in. It was him or Gallo, and I took Gallo, and then Puig was gone three picks before me on the way back. Yeah, I've made that decision a couple times myself. I, I think I've gone Puig, but that's super close. And, it, and seemingly right around where I'm always making that decision in drafts too. Right. And that's who, you know, you don't take McCutcheon. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this. You're a Giants guy, but, like, Give me oh, no, Gallo I, way over McCutcheon. I mean, that's oh, just, no question. No question. I mean, no come question. on. I mean, McCutcheon's in San Francisco. Jesus. No. Poor yeah. Jeff, man. Poor guy. I mean, I don't know what what virus in, infiltrated his brain. Okay, so I, my, here are my bold predictions. Okay, so Puig goes 30-30-300. He's in his age 27 season. He's hitting third with Turner out. Joey Gallo hits 50 homers, bats 250. His exit velocity will uh, drive a bad hip. And he'll strike out 200, not 250 times. So he'll get a 250 average. I got Miguel Cabrera hit as 35 homers, bats 315. Basically the same guy he was in two, 2016. Yeah, I got him two rounds after you did uh, two days later. Uh, you know, you got him in our draft. Yeah. I got him, I think, you know, like maybe, what, 11 and 13th? Does that sound right? Uh, I got him like the eighth or seventh. I got him pretty early. I mean, oh, sorry, him. seventh and ninth. Yeah, yeah. So you got him in seventh. I think I got him two rounds later. Yeah. So I felt good about that. But yeah, man, uh, I guess Camerico uh, had its exit velocity stats last year were a little off, but man, right. it still looked impressive even in a down year. So um, we'll no, see. No, 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 he think. was he was shitty last year. He said he had no power with the back. He just couldn't. Right. Generate well, he was playing power. hurt. Right. It's just all about his back. Will it yeah. recover or not? But I, I'm on board. I have a lot of shares of him myself. Okay. Uh, Reese Hoskins bats under two forty. Spends time on the bench, possibly in the minors. So I, I said I, I agreed with you on the AL column. My NL column, I led with Reese Hoskins, so we're completely opposite on that one. So uh, I think he's going to be a monster. All right, we could do a little side on that. Sure. All right. Who, who do you like? Um, I, I don't know. If you can come up with one, let me know. Um, mm, I, I'll go. This is crazy for me because he's a okay. couple rounds later, but I'll go Puig straight up against Hoskins. 
Oh, Puig straight up against Hoskins. I, but I, I mean, I like Puig, and I'm going to root for Puig. Okay, okay. We'll pick someone else. All right. We'll think about it. Keep going. Okay. I'll, I'll um, think about it. Keep your predictions. Okay. Javi Baez gets 600 at-bats, goes 30-15. If you look at the Cubs, people are like, oh, he's just a super sub. No, he's the starting second baseman. Who else is going to play second base for them? You tell me. Yeah. No, you're right. I think he's, he's there. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to play just second base. Zobrist? I don't think Zobrist plays second base. Zobrist is on his last legs. Who else no, plays second so, base? So Hop is the starting center fielder. So who else plays second base for them? And think of how many base runners it would cost them, too, with his tagging ability. It's, it's so strong. Right. Uh, exactly. Uh, yeah, sure. sure. I, I like him as well. Yeah. I have Hoskins ranked so much higher than Puig. I have to take that out of principle. It's fine. I do have him ranked Okay, high, 20 so. bucks. Just 20 bucks. That's okay. such a gift to you. I'm, like, giving you, like, a huge, you know, All right. bonus. But I'm yep. going to still win that bet. Stanton stays healthy. This is a, largely dh and hits 65-150. If he hits 65 in that lineup, he's, hit, he's going for he's 150. He's going to hit 150. Yeah, right, right. Totally. Okay, this you'll love this one. Kershaw pitches 220 innings is once again fantasy's most valuable player, edging out Stanton. Mike Trout is third. How do you like that one? I love it. He's the number two <laughs> player on my board. I picked him to win uh, uh, MVP, not just Cy Young. I picked him as the MVP. I figure like if there are so few aces these days in the right. Dodgers, just think how many wins he could rack up. Right. Well, and he's going like, to have a hard time beat, beating that Puig. He's going to go 30-30-300. Right, but I mean – Chase Field suddenly, instead of Coors Field, it's like a pitcher's park. I mean, that's one of his, you know, in his division. And like the Giants are a joke. I mean, he, he could win so many games if he does stay healthy. Like I said, I, I picked him as the MVP as well. So, so I'm here. I'm with you. Kershaw has had trouble at Chase Field too at times. So this is going to be right. this is going to be good. All right, Jonathan Villar goes 20-40 and gets drafted in the third round again in 2019. I mean, this guy had a 380 on base in 2016. He hit 19 home runs. This is not Jose Peraza. This is this guy was like a good real life player. And Eric Sogard's got a neck problem already. He's garbage. Hernan Perez never plays second base. I mean, this is his job. And people don't realize how great of a hitter environment that is in Milwaukee. So um, I can see it. I certainly can see it. He's definitely your guy. If there's one guy I'd say that's a list guy, it's probably VR. Well, I only have two shares, though, unfortunately. I know they say Buxton, too, with you. But, man, well, I, I feel only like two I'm shares. surprised you only have two shares. He really has gotten more and more popular as, the, as drafts went on, Buxton? it feels like. No, I was going to say VR, actually. Yeah, I, I, too, I got caught thinking I could wait, and I couldn't. I took Beltre in one draft, thinking, mm-hmm. you know, I really like Beltre also, but I just, um, I should have probably taken VR. He might have been back there. I think it was in our draft. I waited. I thought I could, I took Beltre, and I thought I could wait one more round in VR. Of course, the beat Chris List draft, so everyone in that is, listens on the radio. And so they, yeah, he they went know, three, three, three picks after you took Beltre, he went. Right, so I, I should have probably reversed the order of those two guys, but, you know, it is what it is. I only have two shares. I think it's okay. I mean, you want some shares of the guys you like. You don't want to always reach for them. And, uh, you know, everyone said I was the Buxton guy. I never was the Buxton guy. I love Buxton. But I got him in the 12th round last year, which was where you should take him, where he was good value. I wasn't getting him in, like, the ninth round. And then this year, I got him in the fifth and one draft, and I paid 24 bucks for him in an AL-only league. You know, I didn't overpay. So it's like people yeah. are like, I, I like the guy, and, and I, you know, I was arguing with Spore about it. Like, I think Buxton has, you know, top five overall pick, like where Trey Turner's going upside. But, you know, I'm obviously I'm not taking him there. I'm taking him in the fifth round. Yeah, you know, like a lot of uh, projection systems have Minnesota scoring more runs than the Rockies or right there with them right. this year. And that park actually is a, is a hitter's park. So do, uh, my, my, my main question now is the news that came out today that he's hitting eighth. Does that matter at all to you? It matters a little bit. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good for ceiling bases. It's not like he's hitting from a pitcher, which is... Well, right, of course that does matter. What I mean is that the new, this information, piece of information now before the season started, would that let you... you know, what is it no, I wouldn't, it wouldn't change because I don't think that's permanent. I think they're just that's taking pressure off him. He hit third last year to start and he was terrible and it, it just over... I think they're just like, just you go play defense, do your thing, get in the groove, and then I would assume they move him up. But who knows? I wanted to fade that team because obviously they kind of came out of nowhere last year, but they really subtly improved during the, during the off season, like cheap signings, you know, innings eaters like, um, uh, you know, Lance Odorizzi. Lynn Odorizzi. Yeah. and Morris, Logan Morrison. Um, so in uh, that division, they have two tanking teams in Detroit and in the White Sox. So I picked them as my wild card over the, yeah, the more the Royals, the Royals suck too. There's three, they suck teams. too. Exactly. That's why I like their schedule. So I, I, I had them going back to the, as a wild card. Yeah. And I mean, so no, going to go absolutely berserk. Did yeah. you not use a snow in your prediction? That's actually interesting to I me. Did, I did use. Oh, snow. you did. It's Four, coming up. 40, 40, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'll keep going. So this All is my. This is one of the crazier. And Jerickson Profar goes twenty twenty two ninety. Finally delivering on his prospect pedigree. That's bold. Yeah, because it looks like people. Have, yeah, it looks like right now. How is he going to hit better than two twenty? So yeah, that's bold. Well, he hit in the minors, and he stole like five or six bases in the minors. He's still like twenty five. You know, I mean, he's young. He's. 
Uh, there's nobody in Texas really blocking him. Chu always gets hurt. The guys in uh, right field are total garbage. Ryan Rua, you know, whoever oh, those guys are. It's, it's horrible. Yeah. You know, e- even center field. I mean, even Delano DeShields. I mean, he steals bases, but, you know, he can lose that job. So I, I think Profar has a lot of ways to play. Beltre's old. I, I love Beltre, but, you know, he's old. And Odor is basically a, a sub-replacement player last year. You know, I mean, he, he hits for power, but he strikes out so much. He bats 200. He doesn't get on base, never draws a walk. So... Profar has a lot of ways to play, and he's, he's made the team. So I expect him to play, and, and you know, he's, he's had enough time to, to get better and get over that shoulder injury. So that's that. Hanley Ramirez goes 31-10-290, essentially reprising his 2016 season now that he's healthy. Yeah, so um, uh, what, do you make anything of his horrible spring when, you're, when part of the reason we like him is that he had his offseason surgery for his shoulder and supposedly healthy? So does that matter more to you than, say, uh, a random veteran spring training stats? No, I would rather see him hit like five home runs, yeah, and, and show he some He has like pop. one at like 55, 60 at-bats, one homer. So right. just, I just happen to come across that for what it's worth. But, but I, I have to share it with him myself. I, I, I like – I mean, he's hitting third in the yeah. – even if he's not a good real-life hitter, like Pools was the worst player in baseball last year, negative two war, but he still had, what, 100 RBI or whatever. I feel like Hanley could do a better version of that. Totally agree. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, these guys who are 30 – he's like 34 – uh, I don't know what happened to Pools. I think Pools really was like five years older than he's supposed that, to be because it's the most, totally it's the only agree. plausible explanation for what happened to him. It just, it just, it just. If you move him up four or five years on the aging curve, it all makes perfect sense. His it whole makes, career on both ends, on both ends. I mean, who comes up and rakes like that right away at that age? So right. it's, it's for sure that's what the case is. I, I would bet money. And now, like the lie's gone too far, so he can't walk it back. Maybe in like ten years, I'll write a book saying how you know back then it was. It was in vogue back then to like change your age. And what, like what's this, funny is a negative two war is going to look ridiculous when we find out he was 48 last year. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's great. You know, he's the right. only one to have less than like negative three war at that age. Right. But yeah, no, I mean, if you if you you know move the timetable of it, it makes sense for him. So everybody else, I think, you know, it's why I like Cabrera and even Beltre, who's who's old now, uh, Nelson Cruz, even. You know, if you're a Hall of Fame level bat, and I say that loosely, like a lot of these guys don't end up in the Hall of Fame because of injuries, because of defense, because of whatever. But, like, if you're Lance Berkman, who, whenever he was healthy, or Chipper Jones, or Ryan Braun, who I don't, he's so annoying to own because he misses like two, three games every week. But all these guys that are basically Hall of Fame level hitters, okay, who aren't going to make the Hall of Fame, some of them will, some of them won't. Chipper Jones did. Uh, but some of them won't just because of injuries or personality or whatever, defense. Um, but, you know, Hanley Ramirez is another one of those Hall of Fame level bats. You know, one of those guys that is an elite, elite hitter of his generation. He maybe doesn't take great care of himself, but when he's healthy, he's going to hit. That's my, that's my contention when, when he's in his mid-30s. And the only reason these guys decline that much in their 30s is because they get hurt more easily and, and they have a, a harder time recovering from it. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see DH a little bit more open for him, but supposedly he feels healthy and he's, if he's hitting third in that lineup and a righty in that ballpark. It's just such a terrific situation. Yeah, okay. Jake Arrieta regains some velocity, finishes top five NL Cy Young. You know, he's throwing 94-95 in his last outing. That was only an inning, and you can see relievers max out. Maybe he was maxing out. But if he gets that velocity back, I, I like him a lot. Hope you're right. For my Phillies bet, I absolutely hope you're right. Okay. I don't own any shares of him. Okay. Was, uh, this, I, got, I got him in uh, only one, only the uh, league that we're in that we, got the, that we did the other night. Taiwan Walker, who I only have two shares of, uh, but I really like with the Humidor. He had like a 270-something or 290-something ERA on the road last year. Got beat up at home. Uh, I say he's a top 10 NL Cy Young voting. He was throwing 95. He's a big prospect. Just about the right uh, level of development and age to break out. Yeah, interesting. I keep going back and forth with Godley or him, and I end up with Godley in most places. I, I, I forced us to take him in League of Leagues, but you wanted Walker. He was drafted aggressively in that one, but... I'm curious who finishes higher there, but to you, it's Walker and a no-brainer, right? I thought a no-brainer, but I, I, when I did my research, I, I liked his profile better. His bigger prospect, throwing 95, I just thought, you yeah, know. Yeah, and Godley's batted ball profile means Humidor should theoretically help him a little less. Right, more, more of a ground baller, right? Um, okay, so we got Sano, hits 45 homers, finishes top five in the MVP voting. Sonny Gray leads the AL and wins with 19, given the run support and bullpen. You're, you're totally right about run support and bullpen. I've faded him mostly just because he doesn't have overpowering stuff at all and in that environment, the ERA. But he could win that many with a four or five ERA, I guess. So I can't really argue with you too much there. And sometimes wins are overrated, included, including myself. You know, I love Luis Castillo. You know, this guy's sick and he's ace. But it's like, 
well, maybe the Reds aren't going to score, you know, or, or just provide him with a lot of wins. So or defense, yeah, yeah, defense wins. The whole thing is bad with the Reds. I mean, Iglesias yeah. is good, but the rest of the pen isn't. Paul Spore was getting all excited. Oh, I picked up Tyson Ross. I fabbed Tyson Ross. It's like, yeah, right. but he's in San Diego. I mean, it's it's good for the the ERA and WHIP. If you know, maybe league average because of that. But is he really going to uh, get enough wins? All right, Roldis Chapman yeah. leads the majors with 50 saves. For the same reason. I mean, just they're going to have a lot of leads. They have great setup options. So they're going to preserve it right up to him. And he's really good. The next two, uh, the one after this, I agree with completely. Uh, Chapman, I said, is way closer to Kimbrel than he is number four on my board. And I own zero shares of Corey Knabel is who you're going to talk about next, right? Yeah, walks too many batters, loses the closer job to Josh Hader by June. Yeah, don't Hader, Hader's filthy. So for sure, I like that one. Yeah. And then Aaron Sanchez finishes top five in the AL Cy Young. I have him in a lot of places. That guy was, he, I think he won the AL uh, ERA crown in 2016 with like a 305 ERA. I think he had the best ERA in the AL two years ago. Then last year he missed most of the year with bad blisters. I mean, okay, maybe the new ball is going to affect him again. Maybe not. Rich Hill seemed to get over it eventually. And the dude throws 95. And his peripherals were not great the year that he led the AL in ERA, but Sometimes guys pitch, you know, their peripherals catch up to their stuff. And he throws 95. He's a big prospect. So top five AL, AL Cy Young voting. Yeah, I was reading uh, Cardi's, uh, the bat, like his win projections articles in the Vegas over-unders. And one of the things he was pointing out is he, he his projection system loves the AL East based on interleague play. Schedule-wise, he thinks that Vegas is off on its strength of schedule. And, and, and the, I think the one he loves even the most is the Blue Jays based on projections. So you got to like that. So schedule-wise, and I know you've been uh, – Sanchez is one of those guys that has risen among draft boards from what I've seen lately, but maybe past the blister problem, so I could see it. So uh, so sure. Okay. This is a crazy one. David Dahl comes up in late April, early May, finishes as a top 25 overall player. Desmond looks done, doesn't he? Well, I have Desmond in the main events. So I hope he's not, and he has a big contract, so I think they're going to give him every chance. I think the guy that loses out is Para, you know, with Ryan McMahon yeah. making the team. But I think Cargo, you know, was really bad last year and always gets hurt, you know, so he's maybe on his last legs, too. I think Desmond sticks around, but unless he's just so I terrible. Think, I think it was Rob Silver pointed out on Twitter that uh, he, he had all the projection systems for uh, McMahon, and if you put in, like, a lot of at-bats, they still, like, 600 plate appearances spewed out, like, 16 homers or something. So it's like his advice is trade him now. You know, that coming off a of big spring, news is that he broke camp. So that's interesting. All the projection systems don't really love McMahon, even with Coors Field. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure the projection systems aren't great with rookies. They, you know, like the Eric Thames coming across from crushing the Korean League. You know, the projection systems do best, I would think, with, you know, the Freddie Freemans, the Anthony Rizzos, the Miguel Cabreras, the Edwin Encarnacion. They do the best with, you know, the stuff that has a lot of data. The stuff where there's, like, rookies in cores coming in, I... I just, you know, when, when a guy tweets out, oh, the three projection systems think this. Well, they all have the same inputs. So yeah, it's, not like, it's not like three different things. Oh, there's three different people saying this. No, it's three of the same basic inputs because the projection systems know which inputs are most predictive. So they all have, you know, done the work. So it's, you know, the basic inputs. But when the inputs are more variable, when it's, you know, just changing leagues, going to course field, yeah, they, they, they can adjust in general for that stuff. But I... I don't know. I, I think the oh, I, know. I think the volatility from, and also the mean projection for that guy doesn't matter, right? You're not drafting McMahon in like the ninth round. You're drafting him like the fifteenth. So like all sure. you're hoping for is you catch lightning in a bottle in cores, and there's huge upside there. And I, that, that stuff is uh, I, I feel like that's that's poison. Like that kind of I, I, I like I like Rob Silver's analysis. He's a smart guy. He won the NFBC main event. But when people just say, "Oh, the projections will think this," yeah, don't draft him over Miguel Cabrera, but. You know, in the 14th, 15th no. round, I mean, take a it, shot. Might be, it might be wrong, but I think his point was was interesting in the fact that that was very modest projections for someone playing in Coors Field. And, you know, the hype. I mean, that, that's really low, I would say. So he, the, the projections might be wrong, but I think it was just it's just worth noting. But I get what you're saying. Don't get married to it or wedded to it, especially like uh, the aforementioned Luis Castillo. Right. So he's completely throwing two new pitches right now that he didn't even have in his arsenal when he put up those minor league numbers in which that projection system is using. So it's not, I mean, of course, some things you can't right. account for. Giolito, I'm seeing some really poor projections. And I'm like, and I, I could be wrong and they could be right. But to me, he seems like a different pitcher right now. The pedigree, another year removed right. from surgery. Throwing a curve different, blah, blah, blah. Think all that stuff. what the projections stuff. must have been for Luis Severino last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, they're just, it's just the mean projection is, is, is stupid. It doesn't even matter because, first of all, where you're getting that guy, you're only caring about what his you know, upper 10th, you know, 90 to 100 percentile is. Right. And secondly, you know, the projections are dumb. They're just taking basic, oh, look how bad he was last year. You know, it's just it's stupid. It, it, it really it doesn't factor into new things. Obviously, on average, most prospects fail. But that's the whole game is really like playing with the possibilities of the unlikely but plausible success. That's the whole game. And so projection systems, yeah, they have a value in sort of a general sense. But if you're wetting your draft strategy to projection systems, you're, you're, you're never going to be a great player. You, you really have to at some point say, okay, this is, this is usually what happens, and that's fine. But what's unlikely but plausible? And, and I totally understand that. That's just it's I, part I, of the puzzle, though. I think it's kind of part of the puzzle. Maybe you don't think it is I, I at think, all. I think I, it's part of the puzzle in the sense that and you don't need a projection system to tell you this, that most prospects, no matter how hyped, fail. Most guys who throw 97 and you know, blah, blah, and look electric in spring training fail. And you have to know that and can't be like excited like, oh, every guy's going to pan out. Oh, he's in course. He's going to be a monster. Like, you can't be naive about it. I don't need a projection system to tell me that most likely Ryan McMahon is not a starting first baseman in a 12-team mix league. Most likely he is definitely he is not. That Scott Kingery is most likely in 450 at bats or it is projected for not going to be an important fantasy player in a mixed league this year. Okay, yeah. I don't need a projection system to tell me that. I know that, but I also can start to see with different players and different skill sets what's unlikely but plausible, and to say, okay, that's fine. It's you know if you were to say straight up like who's going to do better, say Jonathan VR or. Ian Kinsler. I would say on a 50th percentile basis, I would take Kinsler. But show me what their top, you know, the 86th percentile season looks like for Kinsler versus VR. Well, one of them is going to have 40-something stolen bases in that case. And so I'm a little bit like the projection stuff's gone too far. It's, it's not gone too... I'm glad that it's out there. But I think like it's... No. Don't, don't read that stuff and think, oh, okay, this is the truth. I get you're saying. Uh, uh, Scott Pianowski tweeted at me saying we need a prop bet on McCullers versus uh, Keuchel somehow, and I, I haven't responded to him yet because I thought about it. I'm like, I just don't see a fair one on that. I think that Keuchel far lo- more likely to finish with more fantasy value, but I have McCullers ranked higher because I think he's far more likely to win the Cy Young. Right. So, so that's what you I, do. I you say let's yeah. let's do five bucks. Who does better? And five hundred bucks if one of them wins the Cy Young. Right. So that that's a good. I, I mean, that's sure. that's, that's fine. That's a fine bet, right? Because you're basically saying, look, even though it's an unlikely scenario, and Cy Young, you know, say top five in the Cy Young voting or something, right? Um, which Keuchel has won a Cy Young, by the way, so you'd be taking yeah. a, pretty, a pretty big risk. But, uh, and, you know, he's going to get run support and he plays good. I mean, I, I still like It's funny Keuchel. I'm saying that when I'm the person that I, yeah, that yeah, I'm going he's to actually get actually done the thing. Like a few years ago, right? Yeah. yeah but I'm saying you structure it like that. You know, I, I, you know we got in the same thing because, like, my AL Tau team is so aggressive and I have so many DL guys. He's like, well, I'll bet Vlad's team against yours. I'm like, well, let's just bet who wins, right? I don't give a shit if, if I'm in seventh and he's in sixth. Like, oh, he beat me. Like, that's, we both lost if that happens. Right. I'm just trying to win, so let's bet on winning the league. And so we did like a compromise. But, yeah. but back, back to that real quick. I, I guess I'd just say if, uh, if, I were, if guaranteed 600 plate appearances, uh, given half of them in Coors Field and how he's hitting spring and kind of, I mean, not like he's a great prospect or something, but I would have thought that would have spewed out top 15 fantasy first baseman results is what I'm saying. And it didn't. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I think they regressed that shit pretty hard for everybody. You know, they're like... Okay, sure. I, I think what they're saying is kind of like, he's just going to be kind of a scrub, but we're forcing him to have 600 at-bats, which is not exactly how it would look if he actually earned 600 if at-bats. If he earned... Yeah, that's you know? a fact. But that's... You can't really... They're just saying, okay, let's just project like his kind of shitty 50 percentile performance and then push that across 600. And push that, right? He's either going to get, yeah, 200 at-bats with that shitty <laughs> right. performance. Right, set back down, or he's going to be good. And, you know, you don't know when the light bulb goes on. And, look, they, I'm not saying... They're correct about, like, how often it goes on and how likely it is to go on. It's not just you how... You would just it, never end up with a Severino on your team from last year or, like, I, my ever, example, Giolito this year. I'm not saying it's going to turn out good, but right. you would never end up with a guy like that never. on your team. And, yeah. and you have to. You have to win. You know, the, to win the main event or to win these big contests, you need to be solid. And so, you know, here, adhere to the, some of the projections and not be foolish about like jumping guys that aren't that good. But at the same time, you need a few Severinos. You know, the year that I finished 12th, I had Harper when he won the MVP. You know, I had a few guys like that who were probably ahead of, way ahead of what the projections had them. That, those are the guys. There is volatility that you want to embrace. So. Anyway, I like David Dahl as well. Yeah. They, I mean, 
the guy runs, right? And he, he was good two years ago, and he's apparently healthy. He had four homers and five steals in spring training. So, like well, that especially might, his price tag now. I mean, I'd take him way, yeah. way better than Desmond. Way, way better. I, I took Desmond. I, I mean, Desmond's got like a six-year, $70 million deal or something. Yeah. I know, so, I know. And, and they just signed him last year. And he had an injury, you know, riddled year last year. And the GM's not going to just be like, oh, I fucked that up. He's going to give him a long leash. So, what odds would you give me Dahl versus Desmond final fantasy value? Well, I mean, straight up, I like Desmond. But, I mean, in terms of, like, being a top 20 player, I probably like Dahl. I mean, Dahl is, you yeah. know, has more upside. For sure. Would you give me odds just overall? No, because I, I, I just predicted Dahl comes up. I just made a prediction about Dahl. And I'm, okay. I'm already defensive All about right. Desmond because right. I took him in the main event. I need him to do well. I don't want to add more like stress about it. Jose Peraza steals 40 bases, bats 290. That, that was because he was bad last year. But before last, you know, heading into last year, people were like, oh, he's going to steal a ton of bases. He hits for average. Remember D. Gordon came up, had half a good year, just like Peraza did. Then he had All a right. shitty full year. Then he got dealt to the Marlins and he was kind of left for dead, and then he had a monster year. I think this guy's got a little bit of that in him. You know, just, he was 23 last year. I mean, it's tough. You know, it's hard to hit the majors when you're 23. Didn't have a good year. I think this year he, he improves. More spring training stats to throw at you. Last I checked, which I think was yesterday, he was 0 for 3 uh, on stolen base attempts in spring. <laughs> Whatever not, that is. Not worried about that. Not worried yeah. one bit. But the know. guy got caught a lot his rookie year, too. But he was running like crazy his rookie year, even when he, when he was getting caught. And they should give him at least somewhat of an opportunity with not so many great options. But uh, we'll see. I don't, I'm afraid he, may he can't. Lead off. He may lead off with uh, Billy Hamilton being so bad, too. I'm afraid he can't hit, but I do, uh, I do own him in, in some places. Right. I, I, okay. So I, I think he's got a good chance to break out. He can hit for average, in my opinion. Uh, you got anything for me? No. What's, uh, what's, your, what's your last prediction? The, oh, some of these predictions will be wrong. Right, right. So, that, 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 that really limits your, your ability to get them all right. Huh? It does, but it's worth it because it always gives me one right that I, I wasn't going to get them all right anyway. So I'm glad, I'm glad to just take one. I can't go over 20. Right, right, right. Um, I don't have much, uh, not much. I'm just ready for baseball tomorrow. And um, yeah, just ready for baseball to start. Get this edited and get it out there. Uh, what about yourself? I got to like remember to set all my lineups. I'm, I'm annoyed that baseball takes so fucking long to put guys in the DL. Just DL these guys. I'm like in Tout Wars waiting to see Dustin Pedroia and Troy Tulowitzki go on the DL. Like they're obviously going on the DL. Just do it so I can make my move. Friends and family, I have Michael Brantley go on the DL. Like I want to pick up somebody, but I don't have roster room until he goes on the DL. And it's just frustrating that you're like waiting for this. Well, people, tweet, or people are tweeting at me mad that it's like Yahoo's fault. And I'm like, dude, this is the Major <laughs> League Baseball team. The DL, right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. It's no. annoying. I mean, I, I agree with Pianowski that uh, it leagues without DLs like the NFBC are just better. I game the shit out of it. I just picked up Iwakuma for the short week. You know, he's back in like June. Like, I pick up guys who are going on the DL because in Tout Wars, you can stash infinite guys. So why not? If he comes back in June, he's in that park. He may be useful. Like, and if he's not, I can just drop him. But I've got like this free extra spot on my team. And it no cost. Oh. Usually, What's that? You brought up a great point. Actually, I did see this thread. I happened to catch it on Twitter. Uh, you say the point that you brought up that, that it actually ends up hurting the people in which you think it's helping. Right. Because, yeah, exactly. The, the, the whole premise is basically that, oh, you know, you, you, know, you can uh, stash them on the DL. So if you get an injured player, that helps you. You can put them on the DL. But the problem is because everybody else has stashed so many DL players and then have other players on their bench because they would have had to keep their good DL players on their bench. There's fewer people on the waiver wire to pick up. So now you lose a player suddenly. Yeah, great. You stash them in the DL, but the waiver wire is totally barren. And, and I remember that from the FSTA. It was a 12-team league or 13-team league, and there's unlimited DL. And even in a 12-team mixed league or 13-team mixed league, because everyone had like six players on the DL, there was like nobody to pick up. Whereas the right. NFBC 15... Yeah, it's deep, but there's usually someone to pick up. A seven-man bench, there's still, because all the DL players count against your bench. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point that I had not even thought of, for sure. I like, I like that point. So I can see it both ways, but I certainly wouldn't argue that, yeah, if people like you gaming the system with DLs, it definitely can be. I'm a real can. asshole, yeah. But, you, I mean, the right. whole game is gaming the system, right? I mean, the whole, I mean, not the whole game, but so much of the game itself is like, well, structurally, how does it work? And if this is a structural component, the way the DL is set up, I mean, how can you ignore it and be like, oh, I'm just not going to do that because, you know, it's not whatever. It's not fair or something. No, you got you to gotta game the shit out of it, basically. Right, right. 
Well, that's pretty much all I got for you. I um I watched the uh, the premiere of the new Roseanne reboot last uh-huh. night, which was uh, actually interesting. I mean, it's like filmed in front of a live studio audience, so there's like people laughing and it's ABC, but it's kind of raw and like she's a Trump supporter, right? So it, like it, it really produced quite a bit of like uh, discussion on the internet last night, and it was interesting. I mean, it's not like the greatest show, but I was a fan of the original, and and I'm gonna continue to watch it. And it was it was interesting. I don't know. It's 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 kind of a pop culture thing, just because you know the uh, the you know, I know you like talking about politics, but most of like the meat of like TV shows, I'm guessing, aren't too much pro-Trump, I would imagine. So uh, none of them, none of them are. Yeah. It's interesting to see a counter to that. And they, and they don't even and even if, if you're if you're against Trump, they don't they, they present both sides, at least to the first two episodes. So I don't know. I found that kind of interesting. Obviously, Roseanne's a polarizing type character. So so I don't know. I check it out if you haven't yet. All right, maybe I'll check it out. I don't watch much TV except like Netflix stuff. But I'll say sure, one. Other, sure. I'll that's say one other thing. There's a lot of like call for diversity, like the New York Times or the Atlantic, and they always hire some neocon fucking scumbag who's like, you know, pro bombing Iraq, like was, you know, advocating for the Iraq War. There's two types of columnists that are never ever featured in the New York Times, the Atlantic, you know, esteemed outlets, and they are pro Trump and pro Bernie. Everybody is either pro Hillary or fucking neocon. You know, they're basically pro-war, pro-all that shit, that, that bipartisan consensus that is like, fucked us with banking disasters in the war for so long. You never see a, a Bernie Sanders supporter writing for the New York Times, a guy who's pro-Bernie, anti-Hillary, and you never see a pro-Trump, anti-Bush, anti-neocon, you know, anti-neoconservative. It, it's like, it's where's that. the diversity? Where, do you ever see a Muslim writer at the New York Times? Do you ever see a Palestinian writer at the New York Times? No. You, you just see a very narrow spectrum of permitted discourse in these major outlets. They, they talk about diversity, so they hire some nutless monkey conservative, another one. Why don't you hire a Trump supporter, somebody who actually is a libertarian or a Trump supporter? Why don't you hire a Bernie supporter? Why don't you hire a Palestinian or a Muslim cop? They never hire them. It's always just more of the same bullshit. And they consider it diversity because the only diversity is left versus right, Hillary versus Bush, basically, Hillary versus Romney. Those are the two camps that are basically allowed to, you know, opine in our, you know, in our official paper of record. And it's amazing that, that there's really just no diversity in, in any real, and there's no real ideological diversity in any real sense. It's funny you say that because your boy, Keith Law, I was just seeing, uh, he, he's railing against the New York Times. And he's not even a Bernie, Bernie backer, but he, he canceled his subscription and was really given a hard time really railing against the New York Times. So it's funny you say that. For what? And I know he's a boy too. So just, just, I, I, I don't my just, boy? You know, why? I don't even know the guy. What? No, I don't know. Just back in the day, I, I thought you, uh, no, you had a... Uh, never, never, never friends with that guy. Okay. Well, I thought you had an interaction, is what I was told. Oh, once, oh uh, on that thing. Yeah, that was nothing. But yeah, go ahead. What was his issue, though? What was his issue? Just their agenda or something. I don't know the details. I don't want to, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. Okay, okay. But just, okay. just I know that he was frustrated with how it's being run right now. And it's interesting. I just heard that a couple days ago, and you bring it up a couple days later. So apparently there's that's a, that's a thing right it's now. It's going to shit in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things that are bad about it. But uh, all right, let's end here. That's good enough. Good enough for us. All right, man. Cool. Good times. All right. All right take later. it easy, Don. All right. Later, man. Right. Take care. Later.